0: Welcome to Premier Iglesias Weekly Podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English Pastor John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. So we're we're gonna we're gonna get into a new series today, brand new series called "Getting to the Cross." Um, and this series is going to take a look at the life of Jesus through the Gospel of John. John is very; it's a very unique gospel. It's very different from the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, John is believed to have been the last gospel to have been written, some sixty years after Jesus went to the cross. You know, I, I picture John writing this gospel at a, at a very old age, and he's sitting down and and he's just recounting the memories that he has with his with his friend, with his beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's sitting down and he's thinking about the memories that he had, the experiences that he he shared with Jesus, the things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus said, and he's he's thinking all, all about those things and. And he, he begins to write this gospel down to speak of the life of his Savior, Jesus Christ. And he has a very, very specific purpose for writing this gospel. If you look at John uh, 30, I believe, oh, 20, uh, John 20, 30 and 31, uh, he says, now, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose that John wrote this gospel. And so I want to kind of take a look at, at the life of Jesus through the gospel of John all the way up to the cross. We'll end this series on Easter Sunday. Um, obviously, there's not a lot that we can go over in just a few weeks, but we'll get the general idea of what John is writing. My hope, church, is that this, this gospel, through this gospel, through this series, some are brought to Christ. Um, you know, my hope is that some are brought to repentance, recommitment, devotion to, to Christ. Amen. As we look at the very reason that Jesus even came, why, why, why did Jesus come to live with us? It was to die for us. Uh, it's kind of ironic in a, in a way. Um, so today's message is going to be a little bit more theological than usual because we're not really talking about any particular event. But if you look at John, if you read his gospel, it's, it's very theological. He, he begins um, he begins his gospel with a huge theological claim. And so we're going to go ahead and read that. John 1, 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles, John one, one through five, if you don't, I have it up here. It says this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made and him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Can someone say amen to that? But like you believe it, man. The darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Jesus came to be the light of the world and and light, light up that darkness that was once uh, so so evident in in this world. Jesus came and he became the light of the world. In order to fully understand the depth of this passage, it's a it's a it's a very deep uh, passage. John one one through five. We have to understand something about John's audience. John is speaking to two different groups here. He's, he's, he's speaking to two different audiences. He's speaking to the Greeks and he's speaking to the Jews. And this Greek word logos, which means word meant something a little different to the Greeks than it did to the Jews. The Greek, uh, to, you know, we we have words like that in English, right? If you say the word God, it might mean something different to the Christian than it does to the Hindu, you know, to the Muslim. Um, and so in the same way, this word logos meant something different to the Jews and to the Greeks. So John was very strategic in, in what he was doing here and in, in his presentation of, of the deity of Jesus Christ because he was, he was like, I'm going to knock out you know, two birds with one stone. Because by making this statement that Jesus is the word and that he was in the beginning with God and he is God, he was saying something very bold to the Greeks. So this idea of logos in Greek philosophy, uh, it, it, it meant that there was some type of divine abstract type of being giving, giving order to the cosmos. They weren't really sure what that was, but they knew that there was something there that was giving, uh, giving order to everything that, that was. And so John tells the Greeks, Jesus is this divine being who gives orders to the cosmos and to the Jews. The word logos meant God, right? That that was, that was God. God revealed himself to man by his very word. Um, we have the prophets, The prophet spoke the word of God. God created all things by his very word. So the Jews were very familiar with the opening lines of Genesis that says, In the beginning, God. And John was very bold in in, in proclaiming that Jesus was in the beginning with God, and he was and is God. So John begins his his whole gospel by by making this, this huge claim, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Do we believe that this morning? That Jesus is God, or or, or is he just the historical Jesus, as as some people refer to him? As a man that existed, did good things. He was just a teacher, like like Islam teaches. He was a prophet, but he was not God. We believe that he was. We believe that he is God. He says a little further down, he says, And the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. So to the Greek, that, that meant that this transcendent abstract being came down in the form of a human and to the, to the Jews, it meant that this, this, I, this God became flesh, this Yahweh, this, this God of the Old Testament. He became human flesh. He became weak like us. And he did it all for a specific purpose. And that's what I want to talk about for the next few moments is the mission of Christ. What did Jesus set out to do? Why did he come to earth? What, what, what was his mission? What was his purpose? I think to answer that question, we first have to begin with another question uh, and that is, what is your purpose? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. What's the meaning of life? Why, why am I here? I believe, you know, if we believe that there is a God and that God is our creator, we have to know that a creator creates with, with a purpose in mind. You don't just create with, 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 no, with no purpose, with no no intention, right? You don't create without a purpose. Every inventor, every author, every every artist, every producer, they create with the specific purpose in mind. Now the product might not always serve the purpose, but there was, there is an intention when someone creates something and the same is, is with God. There was a reason that he created us, but we have to discover what that was. You know, we used to have this, um, this grand piano here at church. Some of you, if you might, if you've been here long enough, you, you probably, you probably know what I'm talking about. We had this beautiful, uh, grand piano that that belonged to my to my grandma and uh man she could play that thing she man she would she would she danced circles around me man i i'm nothing compared to what she could do and and she would give me some lessons every now and then on, on this piano uh, on some wednesday nights before you know people got to church we always got you know, we always got to church a little earlier, so she would she would bust out, you know, one of the hymns and, and she would she would have me read some music and I'm like, grandma, I don't know I don't know what that says. And uh, but we I I have some some good memories with that piano. And decades ago, a long time ago, that that piano fulfilled its purpose every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night we had both morning and night service and, and she'd play it and people would sing along to it and the piano would serve its purpose of of making music for the honor and the glory of God but as time passed the piano was eventually replaced by by the keyboard you know the keyboards are just they're they're easier they're they're lighter right they're they're portable they have more sounds you know they're they're it was a new thing and my grandma wasn't playing as as much. She wasn't playing every Sunday. We had, you know, we, we, we switched to like a more contemporary type of worship. And so the, the the piano, it was still there, but it it wasn't over over time it stopped fulfilling its purpose that was given to it by its creator, by its manufacturer, right? And I remember we had it up here for a really long time, and I would play, I'd play it every now and then, um, you know, before after services. I'd, I'd, I'd have my alone time with, with God, and, I, man, I had moments on that piano. We, even though we didn't really play it as much, I would go to it every now and then, and I would just, the lights were off, everybody was gone, and I would just, I would just play the piano. And it would, once again, begin to serve its purpose. But over time, it was played less and less. And what happened was it eventually started to untune a little bit. Um, and then we finally made the decision to remove it from the stage because it was, I mean, it was a huge piano, you know, it took up a lot of room. So we, we moved it to a, the fellowship hall, which AKA is like the storage building, you know, sometimes. And we put it, we put it behind the, the curtain over there behind the stage. Um, that's the only place that we thought to put it. And at that point, the piano was no longer serving its original purpose. It was still serving a function but not its original purpose. Instead, it was, it was now kind of used as, as furniture, right? And we would open up the curtain when we would have events there and people would say, wow, what a beautiful piano. That's a nice piano. And then after that, it, it kind of served as, as a table. I remember going back there and there were things on it, books, sometimes junk was just resting on it. And then over time, it seemed to just serve the purpose of just collecting dust. And I remember going over there about three or four years ago, I was in that building by myself, and, and uh, I just wanted to go and, and play my grandma's old piano that she used to play every Sunday so beautifully. And I went back there to play it, but it was unplayable. It was so untuned. I looked underneath. There were strings that were popped. Um, the, 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 the pedals were, were, were coming loose. It was, it was just, it was unplayable. And so it was still serving some type of purpose, but not the one that was given to it by its original designer. And so when that happens, there is a need of restoration, church. When we lose our focus, when we lose our, 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 ap- or our purpose, the, the, the one that was given to us by our creator, we need restoration. There was a time... Before Christ, when everyone on the planet, when everyone on earth was neglecting their purpose, and maybe you're still re- neglecting your purpose. Maybe maybe you think that you know what it is and maybe you try to find it in your ambition and your career and, and, and school, in school and your relationships. But the truth of our purpose is found in Isaiah 43, chapter seven. It says, bring my sons and my daughters from afar. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory. There it is right there. I created them for my glory. We were created to bring glory to God, church. That's our purpose. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and all you do, do for the glory and the honor of God. Just like, a, just like an artist creates something magnificent, he's there and he's painting and he's, he's, he's making this, this, this beautiful masterpiece and everyone is looking at it and they're like, wow, that is incre- incredible. So is with God. When we look around and, and, and we see our beautiful, uh, beautiful, gigantic universe, when we see the complexity of, of the human brain and what man and, and what, what humanity is able to do, we go, wow, look at God. How awesome is he? He's magnificent. Now, I, I also want to, I don't want to ignore the skeptic or the, the atheist because I've heard, it, I've heard the other side of the argument that says, yeah, exactly. Look at the world. That's why there is no God. Look at the world. Look at, look at how everything is. Humans can't get along. There, there's, there's war, there's, there's natural disasters, there's diseases. That's why there can't be a God. I think that the Bible offers some type of explanation to that. And it all started with with humankind. You know where I'm going with this. It started with, with Adam and Eve. When, when Adam and Eve, in a single moment, they thought that they could find a purpose somewhere else rather than that which was given to them by their designer. They thought they could discover another purpose on their own, they wanted to be like God. Oh, my purpose is, is, is to, to glorify God. No, I don't want to do that. I want to be like God. Sometimes we're, we're, we're trying to discover our other purpose where there really is no purpose and it's just manufactured by man. And when you do that, it's, it's, it's very flawed. And so we see that with Adam and Eve and, and trying to discover another purpose, they failed to glorify God because they disobeyed God. And then from that moment on, man was born into sin, and it was like this new purpose was adopted by man. But sin, church, sin was never to be the purpose of man. Death was never in our our cards. It was never to be uh, the reason that we would live just just to die forever. That's not what God wanted. And maybe today you're you're finding yourself living outside of your purpose and the things that you do with your life, and only you know this. The things that you're doing in your life, the way that you're living your life isn't glorifying God. You're not honoring God with the things that you do, with the things that you say, with, with the thoughts that you think. And you're living outside of purpose. But let me tell you, man, God wants to direct you back into the purpose. God wants to give you, he, he wants you to live out the reason that He created you, which is to glorify God. Because you know what happens when we glorify God, church? We get to dwell with God. That's what happens. When we fail to glorify God, what happened to Adam and Eve? They were separated. They were were now born and bound into sin that was separating them from God. And now they needed a, a mediator. They needed something in the middle. They needed a sacrifice. They needed blood. But that's not what God wanted. That's never what God wanted. But that's what it is. When we fail to glorify God, we're separated from God. And God wants to direct you back into his presence. But in order to do that, we have to glorify God church because when we glorify God, we dealt, we dwell with God. And when we dwell with God, we have eternal life. That's something that I want. So what does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with, the, with, with John? That's what we're talking about here. So we started out by, by asking the question, what is the mission of Christ? Why did he come? What was his purpose? But first, we needed to answer the question, what is my purpose? Now we know our purpose is to glorify God. But in a single moment, man sinned, and we were no longer able to glorify God. That's to say that we're no longer able to fulfill our purpose. So here we get to John, and John writes what's probably the most popular verse in all the New Testament. Everybody knows this one, even even unbelievers. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. It's a powerful verse. I love that verse. I love the first part of that verse where it says, for God, so loved the world. I love that. God loves me. I love that. I don't know if you've ever really thought about that, but, but we don't deserve the love of God, but yet he loved us anyway. And it's in that love that caused the second part of this verse that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the the mission of Christ, church, the reason that he came and lived and died and rose again was that through his sacrifice, we could be restored. Not not would be restored, could be restored. Okay, there's a caveat in that verse. It says, so that whoever believes in him, meaning if you don't believe in him, you're excluded and you're going to remain separated because you can't glorify God. And the Greek word, for for believe it means much more than just to believe like you know kids believe in santa claus you know or 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 you believe in jesus satan believes in jesus but if you look at at the at the meaning of this word it also means to entrust so we're not just believing in jesus we're entrusting in him and and that he holds our resp- our restoration and that he holds our salvation and that he holds our life in his very hands we are entrusting him so his mission was to restore purpose to those who would believe in him. That was his mission. And I'm going to say that again because that's the whole, that's the whole idea of this, of this sermon, the mission of Christ. The mission was to restore purpose, to restore your purpose to those who would believe in him. And now, once again, we could glorify the Father through the Son. Now, once again, we have eternal life to look forward to. Now, once again, we are living out our purpose given to us by our Creator, restoring purpose. That's, that was the mission of Christ, to give us our value back that we had lost. Apart from Christ, we can't fulfill our purpose. We, we can still function. We can fulfill a function. For, for some people, that might be enough. It might be enough for you just, oh, I'm I'm serving some type of purpose. God wants more for you. God wants you to know that he designed you for more. I'm I'm almost done, and I I wanna I wanna conclude with this this piano illustration. Maybe it's maybe it's just because I I play the piano, it speaks to me, or there's something about my grandma's piano that it's just it's uh, it means something. But that piano began losing its value because it was no longer functioning as it was originally intended to. Right? That that that's what happened. It lost its value. The designer never meant for the piano to be used as a table. He never meant for it to be used as furniture. But because there was no one giving it its purpose, other people abused it. And other people began to identify it as something else. Some people began to identify it as a table. Some people be- began to identify it as, as, as furniture, as something just to, just to be in the way. And maybe that's, maybe that's you this morning. And you're not really sure what your purpose is anymore or maybe you never knew. And and the world is identifying you and it's giving you a purpose based off what the world says. And you're just there and, and, and you're taking it and you're, you're accepting it. Okay, well, I guess this is my, this is my function. This is, this is why I'm here. And sometimes we're, it, it even makes us feel good that we feel some type of fulfillment in our lives, man. But you know what? A piano doesn't want to be a table. A piano doesn't want to be furniture. A piano wants to be a piano. A piano wants to make music for the honor and for the glory of God. So we shouldn't be satisfied with something else than than what God has given to us. God gave you a specific purpose. He gave you a specific uh, function and, and meaning to this life. And I don't know if you're living in it, but God is here this morning. And he wants to make use of that purpose. And the only way to do that is through the son, Jesus. And that's it. The piano lost its value because there was no one given in it its purpose anymore. No one was playing it anymore. But Jesus is ready and he is willing to use you. Jesus is ready and he is willing to give you your purpose back so that you can, you can dwell with the Father in heaven forever and so that you can glorify him with everything that you do, with everything that you say. That's what he wants for you, church. You were created for more. That's the message I want to leave you with this morning. You were created for more. It doesn't mean that you can't have life dreams and goals and ambitions. And it doesn't mean that you can't go to school and pursue a career. It doesn't doesn't mean any of that. But just know that God wants you for more. God has plans for you after you check out here. I don't know if you do. But God sees a future with you. God sees a future for you. Maybe you haven't seen it in a long time. Maybe you don't know where... Maybe you don't know where the, what the future holds for you, but God has plans. God has plans for you, church. We just got to make use of our purpose. I'm going to ask this to stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at PrimeraIglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.